Welcome to the second season of the Make the Future podcast. I'm your host, Jacques Beauvais, Dean of the Faculty of Engineering at the University of Ottawa. Join us as we have conversations with different thought leaders about current issues facing the engineering industry. Let's explore the future of technology and innovation and how, through creativity and collaboration, we can make the future. They say the future is coming, but that's not true. The future is already here. And it's relentless. It's not going to wait for you to catch up. How will we live in this future? How will we make sense of it? To define our course, we need a new perspective. One that engages our curiosity, that activates our imagination, one that defies the conventional. To own the future, we need to do more than just see it. We need to make it. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Uh, I'm continuing my conversation with Tusha Agampodi, who's the engineering manager at Magnet Forensics. And we want to keep talking about and to dig into all the issues around uh, equity, diversity, uh, inclusivity in the tech industry, some of the impact that that has. And we want to have that conversation with some, some people from industry who can help us out, some leaders who can really talk about what's going on. So first of all, welcome back, Tusha. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk to two leaders from Ottawa that I'm really inspired by. And those two leaders are are well-known in the region, uh, well-known in the Ottawa Tech Hub. We're, we'll be talking to Leah McMillan. She's a Senior Vice President of Global Marketing Technologies at Trend Micro. And we'll also have a second guest, who's Ellie Fathy, who is one of our alumni in the Faculty of Engineering, uh, but who's also the CEO of MindBridge AI. And he's been uh, very uh, public about the importance of equity and diversity and inclusivity. And he has a lot to say about that. And I think in our conversations with them, my goal is to certainly hear about the role of the leaders in industry in promoting and supporting diversity. It's not just pr promoting, right, uh, Tushai? It's also a lot about mentoring, coaching, and uh, even sponsoring. Definitely, I agree. And I've seen Leah speak a number of times, so she's been an inspiration for me. And Ellie, I think when it comes to male leaders, we, we need allies. Um, so they have a huge role to play, and Ellie's been doing that you know, for everyone in Ottawa. And I've, I've seen him speak at a number of conferences and I've heard about the work that he does within his company and with the students at universities as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to talking to them. So our conversation today with Leah and Ellie and, uh, and with Tusha and I, we're actually going to go out to Canada North and meet them in, in the U Ottawa space and have that conversation with them. Can you expand a little bit on the different ways that uh, to get others to promote inclusion, promote diversity in tech, and to get people interested in the sector to begin with? Because I have to tell you, one of my questions is, we still have people around us who think that we're talking about equity, diversity, inclusion merely because we have to. Mm. And, and I want to try and get at the reasons why we're not doing this because somebody is telling it to do us. We're doing it because we have to be doing this for the success of our organizations. So, so if you could talk about the different ways that, that 
you get others to promote inclusion and diversity and, and how to get people interested in the sector to, to do this. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I, th I think just before we get into that, I think the reason we have to do this now is I think we've all realized that decisions are better, working environments are better when you have diversity and inclusion. Right? We, the studies have shown this, but I think we all have felt this as well. And certainly in the years that I've been in tech, I've seen that it's, hey, it's a lot more fun when you have mm -hmm. diversity on the team. And mm -hmm. I do think you, you get different perspectives and you end up with a better result. So I think we all feel that, you know, as we've been through this, that it's an absolute must to ensure that we have, you know, a more competitive, uh, fast-moving, agile companies to compete in today's hyper-competitive world that we have. And you get that through diversity. In terms of being a, you know, a chief storyteller, that's certainly not a formal title, but it's what people call me. Uh, you know, my main job is really to ensure that um, whoever's listening to our story understands what it's all about. Whether that's customers, prospects, press people, industry analysts, partners, you know, the general market, and of course employees. And so what we want to do is make sure when, through telling stories, people have a much more heartfelt experience and understanding of what you're trying to get to. And that's really the, the value of doing uh, good stories. But we actually have several initiatives which we've branded uh, to help get across what we're trying to do in terms of inclusion. So we have something called Close the Gap, which is a program that uh, we actually started with Amazon Web Services, AWS, to help promote women in tech. Mm. Uh, and so we, you know, that sort of began as one of our first formally externally branded kind of programs that we promoted, and we did that in conjunction with AWS. And at every event, every opportunity we have to work in the community or work with our customers, we typically have some sort of breakfast or seminar series or something to help promote women in tech uh, specifically. Do you think your CEO is a woman? Yes. Um, do you think that has a, what kind of impact does that have on the women that are at the company? And do you, has that made a difference to you, having like yeah. leaders all the way up to the CEO level? Absolutely. I, I do think you have to lead by example. Uh, we are very fortunate. Uh, our CEO, Eva Chen, has been with the company since its inception. She's mm -hmm. one of the co-founders. So she's been with the company for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. uh, she's Taiwanese born. Uh, has lived in the U.S., has lived around the world, um, and still heads the company. She's an incredibly passionate individual. Uh, she loves our technology, and she is very inspirational for all employees. But I do think for women especially, they can see mm -hmm. that from the top, we have female leadership. Right. Uh, and we also have some very senior executives who are female as well, and that really helps to set an example for everyone. Do you mind if I take the next oh, question, too? Go ahead. Too? <laughs> There's a natural question There's there, There's a natural right? question like, Elite, you're there not a woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but I've, I've been reading about MindBridge, and I was excited that I saw some news. Um, you recently had a chief strategy officer who's a woman, yeah. and your CFO is a woman, and um, from reading your past interviews, you've spoken about the importance of having a good leadership team when you're building a company. Can you speak to the importance of diversity um, when you're building a strong leadership team in a new company? So um, when, when you look at diversity and inclusion, it's, it's the question, it's not uh, that we must do, it's the right thing to do. It's, it's not the issue of must, but it's the right thing to do. And why is that? If you look at on a number of planes, economic plane, uh, 
better product, a better uh, harmonious relationship in a company. All of these studies have indicated, and I'll just share a few of them. If you look at the companies, startup that had at least one woman as the co-founders, they perform significantly better, and there are studies that shows. If you look at the uh, Fortune 500, where you had women, again, you, you see that the relationship on economic basis, if you just as a shareholder want to do it economically. Uh, but let's talk about the social economic, uh, how we look at the way that we are functioning. And let's look at right now the AI area, that what uh, is dear to me right now. If you look at the issue of technology and bias, and, and I'll address it in a number of planes, uh, currently when most, less than 11% uh, are women are in the AI side. And what is absolutely known biases, as you know in AI, you learn from data, uh, and the label data, when you don't have women on the team, the number of biases increases significantly on the results that you have. Mm -hmm. So your product is not as good as it should be mm -hmm. because of that. That's one aspect. Now let's look at the uh, happiness factor, and the, uh, this is what we talk now about the sea level. So the issue really, why it's the right thing to do is that if you look at uh, the world, you have 50% uh, men and women, then you go to STEM and you have 40% and you go to AI and tech, it's 11%. Now, the issue is the pool of available, if you believe in all of these stats, and actually the, there is a website that talks about uh, women, I think it's like if we, if all companies got into diversity in the management level, the world economy, the GDP, will, and sorry, North America, will go by one and a half trillion dollars. Like the numbers are staggering, mm -hmm. right? So, but now there is a problem. What's the problem? The problem is that the available pool of women that is ready for the sea level, uh, just the available pool, just historically, because if we have 11% only in this mm -hmm. area, you just don't have sufficient number of women to occupy this position. So for us, uh, it's, it's a struggle, uh, and I'm extremely excited I was able to attract a C-level into mm -hmm. our organization. And the same thing, I'm now working very hard to try to, uh, to attract women on the board of directors that are women. And because right now, uh, and I mentioned it in the last board meeting, I said, look around the room. There are, you know, there's one woman and there are 10 men. It's not, it's just not right balance. So we're trying to change that. And we have an initiative that we're going to, so we have a couple of both internal and external focus initiative. Internal initiative uh, is to teach the women in the company. So we have once a month, uh, women-led, that we, and I think we talked about it, where we invite somebody of high stature to talk to the women in the company only and, and talk about the success that she has had and what influence she can have on the people internally. Because examples make such a difference. Absolutely. And the other aspect is what we look at externally focused. Number one, we are promoting women organizations that are supporting women to be in tech. Mm -hmm. And we've done it in the Impact AI conference where we actually give awards and financial support to a couple of women organizations. And then in the last time, uh, the last conference, 
we launched what we know as the heroes, the heroes, but with emphasis of the HER okay. initiative, where we're working with uh, Ottawa U. Sophia Leong is the lead from Ottawa U, Carlton and Algonquin. And the, the whole notion that we're talking about is going back to the fact that the available pool is limited. And Tusha, you are an engineer, and, and so you came from the tech world. But if you look at the stream of available uh, children, you go back to the age eight, nine, ten. It's known that young girls progress much faster than boys. But then, when they get to age eleven, they suddenly are not as excited about math for a variety of reasons. So We're it's up to yeah. so it's up to really um, the teachers, academia, the parents, and the governments to do that. But this is a long cycle. That's fifteen years from age ten to twenty-five. It's a long cycle. What we believe in is that there is a shorter path because you don't need to be a programmer like you, Tosha, in order to be in high tech. You can be a manager. Mm -hmm. You can be a manager, and that's still a leader. That's still valuable. And we feel that that could be a lot faster. So the HERS initiative is all about taking uh, 20 to 30 young women and bring them to an environment from, for a full day where we're going to bring women that and men that are going to teach them about confidence, teach about presentation, both oral presentation to stand in front of. One of the biggest challenges that I've found with the women is, and men to some degree, is to stand in front of people and speak and be uh, able to talk. Mm -hmm. uh, that written presentation, a confidence building, and all of that is going to be done on that one day. And then the idea is that we'll do it twice, this one semester per, uh, per year and then uh, with the help of Ottawa U and Carlton and Algonquin we would like to bring and create a boot camp where we're going to have a certification that again only university can do we're going to lead this initiative but we cannot provide a certification and then involve maybe 20 different organizations that will agree to take an intern and get this uh, particular young women and get her through the confidence building into a leadership position. And if we can do that, then we would like to take it across the country into other uh, academic institutions. So this is what we feel that is really important in today's environment. And I'll say one more comment. The world is, I talk about Canada. Canada, high tech, academia, and everybody is ready for that. They would like to do that. You know, again, I think you have to lead by example mm -hmm. and set up these programs because there is a lot of this unconscious bias that happens. We know women often get promoted because of their performance, where men are often promoted based on potential, right? And that's one of the things that we're trying to change internally as well, is mm -hmm. to put women into positions based on their potential versus waiting until, you know, that's, that's partly based on their own uh, sense, you know, women's own sense of, you know, they want to get to a certain level uh, of confidence before they get promoted, whereas men are kind of a little bit more, uh, you know, go for it, bravado in terms of that thing. And, and, and we need to, to help push that issue. So we've, you know, we've been doing this a lot um, at a management level, looking for the, for the women with potential and, and putting them into leadership potential, uh, into leadership positions. Uh, we just, um, just last month we put uh, um, a younger uh, woman, mid-20s, uh, as a country manager uh, in Israel. Uh, we have a female country manager in Egypt. 
we have a female country manager in Canada. And we're looking for these opportunities where we can put women into these leadership positions, maybe even before they're comfortable for it or mm -hmm. ready for it in their mind. And, and that comes from the top, right? Management's got to look around and make sure that they're aware of of those situations. We've had one of our guests who talked about, I think we were, we ended up talking about mentors and coaches and, and, and allies, and but she, she raised the issue of the importance of sponsors. Exactly, mm -hmm. Tusha. Mm -hmm. that somebody who stakes their own reputation, reputation yeah, yeah. on supporting. Yeah. Did, did you, in the course of your career, did you have people like that? around uh, you absolutely did, yeah. Uh, yeah I think absolutely I think um, you know and I'm always encouraging my folks that they, they also have to speak up and, and have an idea of what they want to do but yeah. I remember my my very first job uh, here in Ottawa 1990 at Corel I had an amazing female mentor who was also my manager who just you know kind of pushed me in ways that I didn't even think I was I could do and uh, she was very encouraging and and um, in a way that I've tried to pass on to people that mm. I've managed over the years. Uh, I just thought she, she stuck out in my memory as the person who most influenced me, but she just would put me into situations that she thought I was capable of handling, that I had no idea I could do. And you learn quickly that you can handle those things. But Do you see progress in the sense that in the Ontario universities, we're looking at the number of girls in, in mm. engineering and, and computer science. and some universities are doing really really well but the overall percentage of, of young women has not really grown in 10 years it's we're 30 still percent or something uh, in Canada? It's lower. well in, in engineering computer science we're like stuck at 20 20 2022 we've been there for mm. 10 years mm. we do tons of activities to try you know go code girl go end girls all kinds of things to to promote it in ottawa in our faculty we've grown it hugely we had 400 10 years ago, we have over 900 today, but the percentage is still it's the, the same. same. <laughs> Do you, are you optimistic? I want somebody to be optimistic <laughs> yeah, no, I, that we're I changing am. things. I, I feel like in the last couple of years that there has been a huge tsunami of, of influence and change in, uh, in the world, of course, but in high tech. It, it is, this is something that comes up now at every conference. There's mm -hmm. a stream for women in tech. Mm -hmm. At every place you go, it's a conversation. We have opened up the conversations within our hallways and within our, our company in a way that I have never seen in the past. Okay. And I grew up in, you know, in high tech in the early 90s where I can tell you it was a very, very different <laughs> way. You know, it was, yeah. it was extremely um, male-oriented but also inappropriate by mm -hmm. today's standards, mm -hmm. right? And and I think we are, I really feel the change. I can, I feel that we have evolved immensely, especially over the last few years. The studies all prove that, you know, to innovate, you need diverse teams, you need equity, you need more women. And like Ellie said, you build better products without bias when you have more women, more diversity in. And that data's been around a long time. Um, and yet we haven't moved the needle as fast as I would have liked us to. The, that being said, I'm still hopeful because there's so many initiatives. Um, I think we can continue to come together, you know, everyone from the industry and the universities because I would love for us to attack it from every angle that we can, like increase the pipeline, 
and then and, and before university, right? I think yes. the pipeline mm -hmm. starts in when they're 10, 11, 12. Yep. You know, these uh, we partnered with an organization called Girls in Tech. There's Technovation here that I was mm -hmm. involved in, in in Ottawa, where you promote and, and get women involved, girls involved in tech before university, right? You have to get them into the university programs. Yes. And then decrease things like attrition that happens, you know, um, like build an inclusive work environment. Um, like both of you are doing at your mm -hmm. companies have female leadership. I think all of that goes a long way. But I, th I think that one element that is really important, and I said it in other sessions, we should not treat it as a disease. It's not a disease. <laughs> you know, it's not something wrong. It's, it's a fact that happened over many, many years, and now we have to chip at it and change the way that it's on the ground. And one of the key elements, from my perspective, is role model. We need mm -hmm. women role model. You can go and tell young kids, because you're talking about 10, 12 year old. You can tell them as much as you want, and that's why I said don't call it a disease. What do they care when mm. you tell them I only have 20%? What does it mean that yeah. they have only 20% at right. the university? That's your problem that's as right. university. <laughs> right. It's not the problem of a 10 year old. Nope. What does a 10 year old want? She wants to have a role model to aspire to. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, that what women and men have to do is to give them the role model. And when they see a role model, why do they select to go, I want to be a rock star, I want to be a movie star, I want to be an engineer? Mm -hmm. Because they need a woman role model that they can aspire to. And to me, that's what's missing right now because we don't have enough women that are role model for them. And that's where the change would take place. But we're taking, I think that the society is ready absolutely ready, both men and women and companies. Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about the governments mm -hmm. that we are starting to see in California and other places where you're going to force diversity by legislation. Mm -hmm. So it's all across. The, the parents have to be part of that. There are obviously the academia, the governments, but I think and I believe truly that people both men and women are ready for it, and the industry is ready for it. So what is missing, the last part, is really to get the young children, yeah. the 10, 12-year-old, to see yeah. role model, to say, oh, I really want to be into this field. And That's it's a challenge, I, but yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was just going to say it's a challenge because scientists and engineers don't have that many TV shows, don't <laughs> have that much popular culture exposure. So Unless you're Elon Musk or something. Yes, yes. You know, like yeah. <laughs> Sheldon Cooper and his friends. But uh, <laughs> the idea is that getting those role models out there, it's, it's a little bit more challenging because we won't have those, those the popular culture mm -hmm. images. So it's even more important for, for the women in industry to be able to, to find ways to meet those kids. And, uh, yeah, it's true. I, I really enjoyed the time that I spent here in Ottawa uh, at Technovation. This is where they... You know, they do match up sort of local female mm. leaders, business and, and tech leaders, with the young people. And you're each given a team of, I had a team of five grade 10 girls, and our job was to build uh, an app, right, over a course of so many weeks. And then they had to do a whole business case and presentation and, you know, like an entrepreneurial presentation. And it became, it's a regional competition, which mm. then goes national, which then goes global. So they can do very well on a, on a global stage, but it really encourages that connection, like you said, between a role model, someone in the, in the community 
who can then connect and uh, and give back, if you will, to the up-and-comers. Well, my daughter, who's six, she wants to be an engineer already, but a train engineer. <laughs> you know, I'll take okay, it. It's, okay. it's better than nothing. It's a starting it's point. On track. Yeah. So I, I already see um, how important examples are. My dad worked at an engineering university, and that had a huge influence on why I got yeah. into it. So. It's interesting that you said that the cool factor, because our CTO went uh, and worked with grade six and helped them to put an AI experiment on the spaceship. Mm -hmm. And nice. they were so excited because he taught them how to write with AI. He actually went through and told them, and so that's the cool factor yeah. mm -hmm. that you need to show, and oh, I want to be something like that. And, mm -hmm. and that's where I say, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, if mm -hmm. you can show them that there is something that is cool, that can interest them. Um, I spent the first 15 years of my career in a more technical side of, of tech, but not coding. I was product management and helping to drive requirements, but more from a business, you know, I have a business degree, but with technical understanding. But yeah, I do think that uh, people, uh, it's great to have more women in STEM specifically, but as women on the management side or the sales and, and business side, it can make a huge impact as well. And um, I That's certainly my role, right, is to, is to change it from that side. And personally, for me, I've seen, I think, um, I've seen Leah speak at a few events and women in tech panels, and it's been a huge inspiration to see you out there as a leader, because there's not enough female leaders for mm -hmm. me to mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. and be inspired by. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily have to have an engineering background. Um, having female leaders for us to look up to and get inspired yeah. by makes yeah. a huge difference because I know seeing you made yeah. that oh, for thank me. Thank you. Do you know uh, that the uh, original software programmer were women? Yes. Yeah, I know. And it was the men that did the hardware and yeah. the women did the programming. But we did a very good job of forgetting that. And, 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 mm -hmm. and uh, at least that's part of a few things we're seeing in popular culture, that idea coming back of who were the first programmers, who were the first ideas, yeah. and that's only going to help. Right. But I have a particular question for you, Ilya, and I've heard you talk about, with passion about Ottawa, but your company is in a field where the government of Canada, through major investments, decided that AI was happening in Montreal, it was happening in Toronto, and it was happening, happening a little bit in Alberta. Why are you in Ottawa, Ilya? Uh, labs, we have 60,000 workers mm -hmm. in high tech. You have mm -hmm. government labs. We have access to, if you look in Ottawa, to all the embassies. Yeah. Ottawa is amazing. Amazing that if you take all of the factors. Now, clearly uh, choices had to be made. If you look at Toronto, Toronto is more AI startup than any mm -hmm. city in the world. If you look at Montreal, Montreal has more researchers in AI than any city in the world. So there is a lot to talk about scaling. Mm -hmm. But Ottawa has the other side of it because when you're dealing with this kind of competitive environment, uh, it's also putting you as a small startup at this advantage, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're competing against, if you're in Toronto, with the Google Lab and Apple and all of these big labs of the big, uh, big, big high-tech companies, you are pricing yourself out of the market because if they want one of your people, they can get them. So being in Ottawa, in essence, you're an insular from that. Uh, you are not being faced with the competitive environment of these big organizations. Secondly, you have access to 60,000 high-tech 
workers, which are interested, a lot of them, to go into the AI. So you not only don't have a disadvantage competing with the big organization, you have advantage because people want to go into the AI side. So I think that we have the right environment, the right mm -hmm. ecosystem in Ottawa to grow. And yesterday I was meeting with other people and we're talking about how can we grow an AI. And that's one of my passion, as you know. Mm -hmm. We are an AI city. Why are we not getting the same recognition, Astronomy Montreal and uh, Edmonton? So that's one of the things that I would like to change in here because we have the best city in really, like Leah said, in the world uh, in terms of if you take all the factors together, and for AI, we can build a big ecosystem in here that can create more jobs and, and put us on the map in a big way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are good, uh, just for people who are, you know, maybe considering a, a job in tech where there is a lot of travel. Um, you know, I think there are some amazing parts of business travel. You know, it is amazing what you can see and, mm -hmm. and the experiences you get. For me, it's the cultural exposure. Mm -hmm. We're a very global company. We're actually a Japanese headquartered company, mm -hmm. but we have about 7,000 people around the world. Our Ottawa office is about 250 people. Um, so we need to go forth and, and meet people in person. And, you know, but half of our company is Asian. And there's something to be said for being able to be in the same room and communicate and build relationships. The experience I've just gone through with Magnet is one I could highlight when they wanted to open the office here and they wanted me to build a team here. Um, I mean, I had a lot of doubts. I think as women, we're always feeling like, am I ready for this? Can I do this? And then you have other people who tell you, you know, yes, you, you can. can do this. Yeah. Um, definitely what helped me so much were the other companies the community, the tech community, the support I got from everyone around here, the universities, definitely the Canada North Business Association. There was so much support when I was setting up the team, trying to recruit, you know, trying to hire. I think that kind of community feeling and the support was huge in helping me build the diverse team. So um, that was an aspect of Ottawa that I hadn't experienced before. And then, of course, the commute, having access to hiking and you know, the canoeing and kayaking, all of that is incredible. Whenever, there's a lot of recruiters who reach out often, um, and every time I'm like, why would I leave Ottawa? Why do you think that I would be interested in anything else? I, I agree with Ellie. I think it is a best kept secret because mm -hmm. I don't think enough people know about it. And maybe that's, a, well, I mean, I need people to know about it so that we get more yeah. talent. No, I would just like to say thank you. Thanks to Leah. I know we spoke about this already. Um, I have been inspired by you ever since the first time I heard you speak on a panel. So it's a great, uh, it's pl my pleasure to be able to sit here and talk to you more about um, Trend Micro and about your career and the work that you do supporting women. Um, same for you, Ellie. I think in Ottawa, we're lucky to have you as an entrepreneur in Ottawa, you know, building companies and building diverse companies and putting an emphasis on getting more women into tech and increasing the pipeline. Um, which is great for all of our companies. I think we, we do this together and it elevates all of us. So it's incredible. And uh, thank you for joining us thank today. You. We, we have uh, each letter in MindBridge. I have 10 mantras. So each letter in MindBridge means something. So the M stands for make a difference. Do good in the world. So there we, we believe in that and that's what one of our mantras. If that's you come amazing. to our if you come to our office, you see them we'll on see the, the whole, whole, all I the I didn't right know that. Yes. That's amazing. So that was a really 
interesting conversation with Ellie and Leah and a really inspiring conversation about the role of the leaders in industry in promoting and supporting uh, an environment where equity, diversity, inclusivity are extremely important and really help contribute to developing these companies and, and making an impact in the organization. I want to thank you all for tuning in on this episode of the Make the Future podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you learned as much as I did. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss the next episode. And we'd also like to really thank our guests and the podcast production team. Carl Bournes, Valérie Sanson, Karen Massey, and Francis Bertrand Lafrenière. And I really hope you can join us next time.